Church, I can tell you that uh, God has not failed me. I am thrilled by his faithfulness. And uh, it is a firm foundation. I pray that's what you're building on. pray you'll also take your Bible and turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. When you get to John chapter 5, you're going to want to put your finger on verse 22. We will pick up there in just a minute. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1,226. 1,226 in that pew Bible. John chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 22 here in just a few minutes. Now, many of you will remember with me, not specifically this memory because it's my memory, but many of you may may. Remember with me that one special Saturday night. See, it used to be one time a year when this would occur. That they would show on TV back when there was no cable, back when we had antennas, back when you had three channels, and back when sometimes those didn't work right. But on those that one Saturday night a year, I can remember at our house, we knew it was going to happen. They were going to show on TV The Wizard of Oz. It was a huge event at my house for me and my mom and dad and my two sisters. I remember being very young, and this was a Saturday night, so we got to put our pajamas on early. My dad would make homemade French fries. I mean, we had one of these fryer things. We didn't break it out all the time. It had to be a special treat. Homemade French fries, and we would get to eat, get this, in the living room. That was a big deal, to be able to eat in the living room. These were all special treats to us, and we would do all of this in preparation of watching The Wizard of Oz. Now, it's a classic movie, and you can find it on quite a bit these days. And, um, but as a young child, this classic movie had a few very scary parts. I did not like the part where the flying monkeys came and took Dorothy hostage. I still don't like that part. You guys remember that. I also do not like the part when those same flying monkeys tore the scarecrow apart and threw him everywhere. You guys remember that. See, it's already scaring somebody in the room right now. (laughs) I didn't like the part where Dorothy was held in the Wicked Witch's castle. And you remember the Wicked Witch would threaten her, and in that room she... It was an hourglass. You guys remember that? She said, you better be ready to give me those ruby slippers when this hourglass is done because that was going to be the end. That when the sand ran out of the hourglass, life was going to run out of Dorothy. And Dorothy was scared. And I, as a young child, was scared for Dorothy. Did you know that I, talk about me, me individually, I am on an hourglass of time. That God has numbered my days, and when he chose to give me my first breath, he knew how many of those breaths I was going to take, how many of those days I was going to get. And so my time in life is running as a sand would run through an hourglass. Here's the part of the story I hate to break to you. You're on an hourglass of time as well. 
all of us, all people. You see, life is precious because it's limited. That lasts 30 minutes. Now, I'm not going to be held to being done when that's over. Now, wouldn't that be really cool if I was? But I'm not going to be watching it and curtailing because the point here is that my life, your life, our lives are being spent every second we're alive. You can watch that as a reminder. You know, James chapter 4, verse 14 says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Today, I want us to study this scripture. We're getting ready to stand and read with the knowledge, with the awareness, with the reminder that our time on earth is limited and that life is therefore very precious. I ask you to stand with me as we read from John chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 22 through 30 of John chapter 5. This is Jesus continuing to speak. He says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who has sent me. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open as we talk about this for the next few minutes. Jesus, I mentioned, is continuing to teach. He's teaching those, and remember the crowd, he's teaching those who do not believe him. He's challenging those that have challenged him, that are persecuting him, that are seeking to kill him because of what he has done. And remember, Jesus said, you've not yet begun to see what I'm going to do. If you're mad at me already, you just wait and see what you're going to feel about me when God does all he desires to do. And Jesus has claimed in their hearing to be the Son of God. And now Jesus, in this same teaching, begins to look toward the future. Do you ever look toward the future? I know we all look forward to many things. It could be getting out of school. It could be getting into school. It could be our first job. It could be our first, second, or third retirements that we look forward to. We look forward to travel. We look forward to a bucket list of things, and I'll tell you that my wife, Angela, where are you? Right there. You don't ever sit there. Bill? Okay. 
Angela, she's, she's playing find Angela. In the, Angela has a bucket list for us. Stuff gets added, stuff gets taken off. We have a bucket list of things that we want to do. You know, you write these things down so that you will do them one day. So we're always sort of looking future-minded. But my question is further than that. Do you ever look toward the future? Do you look for the return of Christ? You see, Christ is going to come back one day. He has promised us that in more than one place. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 makes a big deal of just one of the places where it says that Jesus is going to come back, and it's going to be a big deal. There will be that moment, that hour, when Jesus will come back. Yet many of us live without any thought toward that moment. Scripture teaches us that we should look forward to that day, that we should live in light of that day. And so today, God's Word wants us to look toward that future day. Look at verse 22. Jesus says, the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. God sits in the position of judgment, but He, God the Father, has purposely placed that responsibility, that responsibility of judgment with His Son. But think about that statement for just a second. It says that the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. This statement tells us that there will one day be a judgment. a time where we will stand before Jesus for the final settling of accounts for our eternal placement and destination. Verse 23 says, so in light of that judgment, in light of that God the Father giving God the Son that authority to judge, verse 23 says that so all should honor the Son. Now, this validates that when you say that all should honor the Son, this validates that all people will be in this judgment, that no one will escape a time of accounting before the Lord. There will be a judgment for all. We don't always think about it that way. And everything in that judgment, Everything will hang in the balance based upon your position with Jesus and only your position with Jesus. Doesn't matter how beautiful you can sing. Doesn't matter how a perfect attendance you have. Doesn't matter your giving record, your actions of good, which we'll get to in just a second. It's only about what do you believe about Jesus? Verse 27 says that God has given the Son the authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. He is the one who came to live, to die, and to live again for our redemption. And Jesus gives us a glimpse of that moment. Look at verse 28. Jesus said, The hour is coming where all will hear His voice all, and come forth. This all contains, based upon this scripture, those who have passed before from all the ages and all who still alive at this moment. Verse 29, to simplify this, says that those who have done 
good get eternal life with Christ Jesus our Lord. And those who have done evil get eternal condemnation. So in this judgment, there is a placement of all people in one of two groups, and the decision that is made is solely based upon what you believe your faith in Jesus is, and that judgment will be made by Jesus, given to him the authority by the Father, and it will be for an eternity. And I thought I was scared for Dorothy. We have to recognize, church, that if you in this room right now do not know Jesus as your Savior, and I know I'm talking to the church, but Jesus is the one who said, that many will come to him in the last days and said, but I did, but I did, but I did, but I did. And Jesus said, yeah, but I never knew you. Church, that takes on new meaning right now because Jesus has been given the authority. The Father has said, you come to me, you come to me through him. No other way do you come to me except through him. So here we are, everything hanging in the balance. And Scripture in verse 29 says that it all hangs on whether we've done good or evil. So we must be very careful how we define the word good and how we define the word evil. And thankfully for us, we don't have to guess at this. God's word tells us exactly what that means. Look with me at verse 23. That all should honor the Son. God has set forth that good is honoring the Son. God has set forth that honoring the Son is honoring the Father. Good is simply defined as accepting Jesus as your Savior. God has set forth that anyone who does not honor the Son, which is defined as what is good, does not honor the Father, which is considered evil. So can I remind you today in light of time passing that everything hinges on what you do with Jesus. Everything. Look at verse 24. Jesus shares the good news, the gospel with them. Let me just read verse 24 again. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me as everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Jesus shares the good news with him. He said, he who hears and believes, who hears me, who trusts me, who turns to me, Jesus, he who believes in him who sent me, salvation through Jesus was God's plan from the very beginning. You know, God sent Jesus for a specific purpose, to be this Savior of the world. And Jesus humbled himself to become that sacrifice. This one who believes must believe to the acceptance and agreement of Jesus Christ. He will be the judge. Jesus will be the one who determines whether you really have faith. John chapter 14, verse 6, I've alluded to it already, but Jesus said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. You know what Jesus said? He said a very controversial statement right there. He said, I am the only way to the Father. There is no other way. Anything that you are holding on to, investing in, or doing, thinking it's going to help you be good, will not be. That will be defined as evil in the English vocabulary of Jesus in that judgment day. It's you accepting Jesus, coming to him. That is the only way. As I've said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, that's where he said that many will come to me and say, but I did, I did, I did. And Jesus said, yeah, but I never knew you. Church, Jesus must know you. I have a conversation with people all the time, and I begin to ask them about what they believe about God. That tells you a lot about where we're getting ready to go in the conversation. I talk to them about what they believe about Jesus. And do you know that most people will claim salvation? Most people who have had a loved one pass will claim that they're in heaven because we think that's how it's going to happen, that it's just going to be a natural occurrence that a good God would only send people to heaven. No, a good God is the one who tells you how to get to heaven, makes it simple and easy through Jesus, and doesn't worry about anything else. But most people would think they're saved. And then the reality is, is I'm glad that one day I don't have to be the judge of whether you are saved or not. You know, the one thing I can tell you right now is that the Holy Spirit of God right now is, going, is convicting anyone who's hearing this about their position with Jesus. Now, I don't care if you've been a member for 75 years or if you're here for the very first time. If you do not know Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God will validate that to you and you need to take action. Why? Well, because it's the right thing to do for your eternity and time she is a passing. Good is defined only as trusting Jesus as Savior. Evil is defined as not accepting Jesus as Savior. Did you notice that evil, when it's defined as not accepting Jesus as Savior, does not have to be this vile, ugly kind of attitude and life lived meanly? Evil is simply not trusting in Jesus as Savior. I'd like to look back at verse 24 for just a second. I want to point out two phrases in verse 24. First phrase is, he who hears and believes has, notice that word, has, H-A-S, everlasting life. Same for a similar phrase in verse 22. Shall not come into judgment, but has passed into life. Both of those statements made by Jesus at this time point to an immediate and permanent action that comes when someone trusts Jesus as Savior. Living for Jesus is not a future state decision. Your eternity is not a one-day-out-there decision. Jesus has said right here 
that this is a life-changing event that has occurred, will always have occurred in your life, and that you can live in it both in this world and through eternity because you have passed from life, I mean from death unto life. John 10.10, Jesus said this about himself. He said, I have come so that they may have life. Some see it as abundant life. Others read it as full life. But Jesus said, I have come. Jesus is, the first half of that verse says, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care about you. He's just trying to keep you from accepting Jesus. Do you really know Jesus as Savior? What does Jesus say about him knowing you? And are you living fully for him? Now, I want to go three places in Scripture. You can go with me if you want to. Acts chapter 17. I want us to really bring home this point because, see, time is moving. When you get to Acts chapter 17, you can go to page 1277 if you're using that pew Bible. But in Acts chapter 17, I want to read two verses, verses 30 and 31. Giving you a moment, I hear pages turning. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31 say this, Truly, these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day, catch that church, a day on which he will judge, judge the God the Father will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, that would be Jesus, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Again, we are reminded that we must repent. We must turn our lives away from ourselves and to Jesus. Why? Because God, the Father, has appointed a day that he, God, will judge by the man, Jesus. That he, God, has ordained Jesus and has given us the proof by raising him from the dead. Jesus, again, is that judge, and it will all come down to your personal relationship with Jesus. Let's keep going. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Again, if you're in that pew Bible, it's on page 1349, Philippians chapter 2. When you get to Philippians chapter 2, let's, I'm going to pick up reading in verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, picking up in verse 5, reads as follows. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, that would be Jesus, and given him, that would be Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Just a couple of reminders. Verse 5, let this mind be in you. We are called, those who know Jesus, we are called to think like Jesus and therefore act like Jesus in the way that we live our lives. Verse 9 says that God has highly exalted Jesus above all else. And verse 10, every knee will bow to Jesus in the end, in heaven, in earth. And it says under the earth, that would be hell. And that each person will glorify Jesus as Lord, which glorifies the Father. Now, the thing we need to understand in that moment, it's all settled. Time has run out. You are who you are. You believe what you believe. Jesus knows it, and he will judge it. Whether you have lived early on in the beginning whether you are still alive or whether you have transitioned on to heaven or transitioned on to a place of called hell, separated from God. It all comes down to who is Jesus to you. One other place I want to take you, 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's on page 1368 in the Pew Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4. When you get there, just go to verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I'll read there in just a second. Thank you for turning there. Pray you're making notes so that you can go back and study this later. 2 Timothy chapter 4, picking up in verse 1, says this. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, but you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. It says that Jesus, again, will be the one who judges the living and the dead. And what are we to do in the meantime? Verse 2 says, preach the word. Share the gospel with people. Preach the word. Verse 2 says, be ready, in season and out of season. You know what that means? All the time. Be ready to preach the word, to share about the gospel of Jesus. Verse 2 says that you need to convince, exhort, rebuke, be patient with teaching, whatever it takes to engage people. Verse 3, catch this, it says, for a time will come when they will not listen. Church, can I tell you when I read that what I hear? That time's not now. It says there will be a time when they will not listen. Today, they'll listen. If you will but 
do your job. If you will but share, if you will but be ready, if you will but what Scripture says in verse 5, do the ministry, be the evangelist, share about the gospel, they will listen. And we must have them listen before it is too late. Joel chapter 3, we're not turning there. Just write this down if you're a note taker. Joel chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says this, talking about us needing to do our job. Joel 3, 13 and 14, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down for the wine press is full. The vats overflow for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now, we can read that as Jesus is coming soon, so people need to make up their mind, or we could read that as people are trying to make up their mind, and we need to be there ready to help them understand the truth. A story you've likely heard. Satan had a contest with his demons to see who had the best idea to fight people from coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Demon number one said, let's tell them that there's no hell, that there's no heaven. Satan says that will not work, as most people believe that there's a heaven. Demon number two says, let's tell them that there is not a God. And Satan said that will not work either, as most everybody believes that there is a God. Demon number three says, well, let's tell them that there's no such thing as sin. And Satan said, that won't work either, as everybody knows that there is a right and a wrong. Demon number four said, I got it. Let's convince them that they have plenty of time. That's it, Satan said. Now go get busy. Get busy telling people they have plenty of time. Church, what are you waiting for? We can no longer put off the decisions that must be made today. We must turn from that sin. We must turn toward Jesus. We must choose today as the day of our salvation. Today, you may need to accept Jesus for the very first time. Today, you may need to recommit your life to Christ. Today, you may have always felt that you were saved, but the reasoning of God's word has now helped you understand that you're not. But today you can be. You may be burdened for someone who is not saved. Pray for them. Go to them today. Whatever God is calling you to do in your life or in the life of someone else, please do it. For time is running low. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed this afternoon. And neither are you. And neither are those people who need to know Jesus. And God has positioned you to be able to share them. To share Jesus with them. What are you waiting for, church? We just wait.
See what just happened? It was over. And Jesus will say, no more. Decisions are final. Now, I don't know God's timing. Neither do you. And Jesus has said, that's the Father's knowledge, not even his. But I believe that day is coming. And I believe that that's going to be a sad day for many people that we know. If we do not get busy. Amen.